Welcome to State of the Art Southern Illinois, a podcast by the Marion Cultural and Civic Center. Today, our guests are Shelley and Caitlin from the Marion Carnegie Library, talking to us about cosplay and the Carnegie Cosplay Con that they have coming up next week, July 21st. We also have joining us Travis Westbrook and Galen Jenkins, both in separate interviews to talk about their experience doing cosplay at different national conventions across the U.S. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Josh. So, Shelly, Caitlin, you've got a really cool event coming up. We do. And what is that event? We've got our Carnegie Cosplay Con. First time we've ever done it. Um, so we are just trying to go off traditional, you know, like you see at San Diego and even Saluki Con is, I believe, the kind of closest around here. Super low key, just trying to bring it to Marion. So we've got our costume contest. Shelly has an amazing part of it coming up with princesses, sing-alongs. We've got scavenger hunts, different prizes. So it's all ages, just very accessible, which is what we were trying to go for. We have Mrs. Illinois Earth. Trish Zoller is going to be there as part of our scavenger hunt. And um, the princess sing-along, I'm real excited about that. We've got Marion High School choir girls coming in as our princesses, and we're going to sing We're going to sing Elsa, and we're going to sing Rapunzel, and we're just going to have so much fun. I can't wait for this event. So that's really going to add the all-ages aspect to it. Right. Families can enjoy that. They can do the scavenger hunt. We're going to have a photo booth on the main floor. So the photo booth is a great place to, you know, get memories of the amazingness of Mary Carnegie Library. (laughs) So let's dive in a little bit to... What brought brought each of you to Marion Carnegie Library and kind of your background and um, Shelley, where did you grow up? How did you start? Oh, out? I grew up in Marion. We okay. moved here when I was three from Kansas City, and um, my dad worked at John A. and My mom eventually started a shoe store feet first here on the square. And yeah, I grew up Marion High School, class of '88, and then I moved away and um, taught for about twelve years. And then where did you teach? I taught (laughs) several places, but Moroa, Illinois, and then Normal, Illinois. Okay. And then um, I had four kids all at once, and so then we moved back to Marion, and um, I stayed home with them for quite a while before I started working as a children's librarian at Marion Carnegie Library. That sounds like kind of the perfect background. Yeah. Yeah. I was really into authors. Like I followed. I was a groupie before you could follow people on the internet. I was, I have a collection of signatures from famous authors, Newberry winners, Caldecott winners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Eric Carl is like my prize oh, yeah. possession that he signed a couple of books for me and I got to meet him. And yeah, Tommy DePaula. So your deep passion for children's literature and children's authors far predates Ever working at the Ever library. working at yeah. this library or any library. Right. And the children's position came open, and one of my my dear friends texted me, and she attached the opening, and she's like, you, you, you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, maybe. And I talked to my family, and yeah, here I am. Awesome. Yeah. Almost five years later. Caitlin, where'd you grow up? Here in Marion, a very similar thing. And I my degree ended up being in English literature, and that's kind of how... 
I fell into libraries, but I had always worked, you know, at the middle school library and the high school library. And I've been at Marion Carnegie Library for almost eight years. So since I was 16 years old, I was a shelver all through high school and college. And originally my degree, I was working on getting my MLIS Masters of Library Information Science. Um, and I kind of switched that around during, you know, all the fun COVID time. But so a lot of my academic background is with, you know, equitable access in public libraries and making sure that we are a community resource above anything else, making sure we get literacy to children. Um, but also just I get to do fun stuff like this. So. And so, I mean, obviously it's been in you and part of you all of your life. All this time. There is a school project that was under my bed for forever that I did probably in eighth grade. Um, and there's a spot where it's like, my dream job is working at Marion Carnegie Library. <laughs> and then when I was 16, uh, Miss Jenna Griffith, amazing high school librarian, helped me get my job there. And it's awesome. just been perfect ever since. I love it here. Awesome. That's, I can't think of two better people to be running <laughs> these programs. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. We're um, having a lot of fun. You're having fun. Yeah. And that translates. Yeah. That energy comes through. It comes through in what you're doing, in the vibrancy of what you're doing, and what how you're affecting the lives of the children here in the community. Thank you. It's really Thanks. wonderful. So let's look at the event that you've got coming up. What is cosplay? So cosplay's been around for a really long time. Uh, it's, you know, what's that word I'm looking for? Not palindrome. I don't know what word you're looking for, Caitlin. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Two smushed up words that mean <laughs> costume play, costume role play. Um, okay. So the way we had described it to people that were like, what even is that? Halloween for adults. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we Masquerade. I've called it masquerade. masquerade. Yeah. And I mean, that's how far back this has gone, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just, you know, 1990s Japan or 1930s sci-fi. It's, you know, masquerade, 16th century. Marie Antoinette used to dress up. So this has always been a thing. So the tradition goes back to like the traditional... Um, Costume parties, masquerades, absolutely, yeah. The big costume balls uh, in the aristocracies. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't know, you know, where that stems from. If it's you know just wanting, I, I that's the appeal of cosplay for me is just having fun. As an adult, you know, there's some stigma with Halloween, but if you just want to be something else, dress up, have fun to something that connects with you, like Star Wars or Marvel or anime, that's something that you can enjoy whether you're professional at it or not. So, so you mentioned sci-fi 1930s. <clears throat> yeah. how, how does that tie into cosplay? What's that? So um, some of, I think the first way it kind of came to America, sci-fi 1930s New York was the first kind of cosplay con that they had had. Um, so pop culture at that time in America was very much sci-fi westerns. Should I assume that they didn't call it cosplay then? They did not call it cosplay okay. then. I don't know if they had a different word for it. It was a convention though. So, so they had a convention yes. and they had a costume contest at the convention. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So very much early pioneers of that. And then, you know, waves in and out, always reflected by whatever the pop culture is at the time. So the, the convention culture for specifically science fiction goes yeah. all the way back to the 19th. So like 90 year history of. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. That's awesome. And, it, you know, again, you know, pop culture. So we time. were we were celebrating the weirdness. <laughs> Forever. For, for almost a century geeks. now. I like the term geeks. It's friendly. Yeah. The, the yeah. geek culture yeah. has been celebrated for a yes. long time. Yeah. Until, yeah. 
I had no idea there was such a history behind the conventions yeah. that are right at the heart of geek culture. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Okay, so cosplay, um, as we know it today, kind of initially came out of those costume sci-fi costume contests in the 1930s. Yeah. And then you mentioned the 1990s in Japan. What? Yeah, so the kind of rebirth where we start to see it again you know, where we're reintroduced to it in the mainstream is Japan adapts it through anime. It's, you know, we now have a lot of more access to television, you know, different pop culture, you know, less on just whatever we're seeing on TV, you know. And that's all reflected in what we have at the library now yes. with our, our graphic novel collection, our manga yeah. and anime collections. Yeah. So, and we're seeing a huge jump in kids' reaching for that as kind of a stepping stone in their reading journey and mm -hmm. also as just, you know, how how much fun is it to pull out, you know, and we're, we're, those kinds of graphic we're novels. Manga and anime kind of the lead-ins to the graphic novels after comic books. Was that a natural know, step? Probably, or? yeah, it seems like it. I would believe so. And, you know, we get to see there's still, you know, sometimes stigma in the academic and library community where... I see parents especially mm -hmm. really are just against graphic novels, nothing with pictures, but it becomes this stepping stone to where if they choose to go forward with literature that is a little less stigmatized, it's chapter books, it's, it's a, a gateway, gateway. book. <laughs> and at the same time, I know a number of adults that still enjoy the graphic novels. They're yeah. gorgeous. Um, yeah. I mean, it, purely, you know, what this, this is all about and what we're all about here at the Civic Center is, is the art of it. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're filled with such beautiful artwork, mm -hmm. uh, characters that are so finely crafted, worlds that are so finely crafted and detailed and consistent. Mm -hmm. um, and there's such a beauty to, to creating a world that something lives within that can be consistent from cover to cover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, you can't, <clears throat> when we talk about the westernization of cosplay, we hear the word Comic-Con. So you think about, you think about DC, you think about Marvel and over years we've seen, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Endgame was the top grossing film, I believe, mm -hmm. for a long time. I don't know if Avatar has surpassed it again. But so when we see this rise of, you know, nerd culture, which I don't mean in derogatory at all. I, you've seen me. You know what I like. <laughs> um, you see that, and that's where we get this from. And so comic books at the library, we have tons, and that's what we're seeing kids reach for. And so we want to foster that in any way that we can. Do you think that there has been a kind of greater, greater acceptance of geek culture Absolutely within the sure. U.S. Yeah, over Absolutely. the last, say, decade. It's um, become much more mainstream. I mean, it, part of it's because of the Marvel acceptance, yeah. but the Star Wars community and the Star addition Wars of community. all the extra parts to that storyline, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's definitely more. Do you think that the television show Big Bang Theory had anything to do with that as well as <laughs> far as kind of, kind of popularizing yeah. some yeah. of the geek culture? Because that, that television so show was such a success. Yeah. yeah. But so much of that television show really focused on geek culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, purely based on the personalities of the characters within that show. Mm -hmm. that, that that somewhat normalized geek culture to yeah. the U.S. as a whole. Yeah. And, and potentially worldwide as well. That that television show isn't isolated to the U.S. No. no. Yeah. I think, you know, as far as pop culture goes, we're in front of more screens. I like to think, you know, with libraries and cars, things are more accessible. They can come to us. They can look at these things. And so it kind of is a fun thing to, you know, 
wrap your worldview around and escape into and cosplay is a part of that right escapism and just having fun yeah speaking of escapism you just finished your escape room Ooh, at the, we did it was which so had, much which fun. had cosplay elements because there were people dressed up as, yeah, as star there were wars a few people dressed up yeah <laughs> don't it know happened. who they were yes and and how did that go how was the escape room it was amazing yeah we had what did you say 192 100, people came through. almost 200 people came through wow and our numbers, like we count people who walk in the door at the library every day. And so our numbers each day were way higher than we normally expect. Just people we'd never seen before yeah. walking in to experience our escape room. And we, I mean, we were going for the silly and the <laughs> absurd and not too serious at all. Like I had a, they had to shoot a stormtrooper in one room. And one of the shots was way up high, obviously not on the stormtrooper for a good reason, because they always miss, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we were going, we were diving in to all of that, all the and this, story of this, it. And this, of course, yeah. taps right into the geek culture because yeah. it was Star Wars based. Yes. Um, and so that's kind of a precursor to your next event with having all of that there. Yeah. Um, but we have new costumes, just so you know. Chewbacca's not making a, no. and I don't think. General Hux will be no, he won't at be. the cosplay. It'll be a whole new. Not, we have a few costumes. Let's let's not <laughs> not from you guys. No, but but somebody's perfectly willing. And oh yeah, open. somebody else can be Chewbacca. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. That's the beauty of cosplay. Yeah, is you can have five Chewbaccas and it's okay. What What do you think is important about cosplay to an individual that does it? Why do you what What gives it its credence and its importance? that people will travel and invest time in a hotel for a weekend and yeah. and paying admission to a convention for them to do cosplay, as well as investing in building the costumes themselves. Um, so what do you think is the appeal there for, for cosplay to cause people to invest their own money and invest their own time so greatly? Yeah. What is that appeal? I think, you know, we talked about the escapism briefly, but just our cosplay con is all ages, but being an adult and being able to just sort of escape your day job and your responsibilities and put on an outfit of a character that resonates with you and having fun. And then there's a community aspect to it. We try to make the library a place that's not just for literacy. It's a community where you can come together and find like-minded people, find your friends. So it's a group of people that very much all want the same thing and just want to have fun. And I love that, you know? I think some people are about the build. They oh, they want yes. to figure out a way to make screen-appropriate Stormtrooper costumes, or they want to mash up and have, you know, Iron Mandalorian or, you know, Sailor Moon Knight. <clears throat> Those are the ones I've, I've seen most recently, yes. and they're so funny that, you know, the blonde hair coming out of the completely white costume, so funny. Just do you think there's an aspect of escapism to that as yeah, well? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, again, as an adult, you definitely see people on Halloween that think, oh, adults can't do that. It's, it's for the children. So fun. <laughs> it is so fun. Why does it have to be just for kids? It doesn't. Yeah. And we, we do that at the library oh, for the do. programming, right? You know, 
we we so dress up for, for our programming. It's, for, it's for the programming. I was fairy godmother for the children. It was all for the children. But always, <laughs> do I enjoy this? Oh my gosh, yes! So much. so much fun to have the kids look at you a little differently and be excited or or even scared. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, luckily my Chewbacca mask didn't actually roar because there were there were a couple little kids that were just like, absolutely not. Am I going in a dark <laughs> room with that furry thing? <laughs> absolutely not. I love it. They all did. They the all be- made it. The beauty of the costumes with what you do specifically is it it transports the the children out of just story hour. Right. Or whatever the event is that you're part of and takes them further into that story and further into that experience. Yeah. It it gives them an opportunity to be a part of that universe, right? And I think that's what cosplay does too. You like yeah. I get I get to dress up and I am now part of Star Wars or I am now part of yeah. you know whatever fandom you're into, yeah. Marvel or whatever it is. And like you said, it creates a community as well. It's it's people of the like mind that that, yeah. that invest their time into the craft, mm-hmm. into the build. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, there's a, you know, some, some online sources of cosplay purists say that you have to literally build and create everything that you wear in true cosplay. Right. What we're doing... This weekend is a little bit more gentle and a little yeah. bit less serious yeah. than that. Yeah. Uh, and or it's next weekend. It right? is next week, yeah. Um, and they, but the purists for the big cosplay, con, the big conventions with big cosplay events and, and competitions, all of those big competitions require you to build or make everything from top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. There are people, I mean, that do this professionally, and I'm so impressed, um, make money off of it. You know, there are professional groups that, you know, can attend and, you know, come perform. Um, it's it's really, really neat. And we do have some resources for stuff like that. We have a really lovely tech lab makerspace area. And, you know, next year we're going to have sewing machines, so we'll definitely be doing some kind of progress like this. But we also have 3D printing so there's tons of stuff where the kids can make their own fun costumes if they love to go that in depth. And P and G doesn't that go how high? How right? That is ages ten to eighteen. Eighteen, right? Mm-hmm. So even into yeah, even into the children's the teen and yeah, they can participate in all of that. Yeah. And did you say three D printers? We have three yeah. D printers. So you have three D printers. You're gonna have uh, sewing machines, and so all of those things together is. Perfect for a cosplay lab, if yeah. you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this week coming up, um, I've got an event. We're doing cosplay makeup. TK Kelly is coming to teach that. And we've done even different programs in the past, you know, where um, the teens last summer, I believe, made some Minecraft pickaxes. They've made Harry Potter wands. All that interesting, again, nerd culture stuff. I just love to foster. We've done Fandom Fridays where I focused on Marvel and Anime Club, and they really love that stuff. So when we do events like Cosplay Con, I'm attempting to cater it to them since this is a place they're already here. This is where their community is. I want to make it somewhere they want to be, somewhere that's tailored just for them. Well, and with with the projects that you were just talking about, with building those things, you're they're setting up and learning already for cosplay. Yeah. Without realizing it through the prop building, if you will, it's props. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For a costume that that you've been building in workshops already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's perfectly set up. 
that you're, you're kind of setting that baseline of here's how you can create things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can take these skills that we use for these things, apply them to other things to create the costume that you want. Yeah. And basically you're supporting the development of cosplay culture. Absolutely. Through that department already. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully drawing in other people who are interested in it and haven't before visited the library, yeah. right? That's always our end goal is to bring people in yeah. and and say, hey, you know, yeah. more than just books. <laughs> yeah. A good that's what I, you know, I love literacy. I love being an access to free materials, but I love being a community space more than anything else. Mm-hmm. A good safe space, a free space, you know, that's yeah. safe and inviting. Yeah. So one goal out of CosplayCon is to get new people into the library. Yeah. Um, in creating CosplayCon, Carnegie CosplayCon. Carnegie CosplayCon. <laughs> we love um, our alliteration. What was the initial goal in creating this? What are you trying to create with this? Yeah, um, again, that was just to cater to the patrons that we already have, but again, to draw more people in. We saw that with Star Wars Escape Room, you know, to make people know that we are more than just books. Mm-hmm. And to Increase the, the visibility. Yeah. yeah, and to foster, the community. you know, yeah. you know, they learn that this is the stuff that goes on here. If they even come just for cosplay con and then they say, oh my gosh, you have all these comics. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, you have all these graphic novels. You have video games. I can hang out here for free. Nothing costs any money. Like that's a wonderful way to draw people in and explain that, hey, we're a helpful part of the community and we want you here. And will you have some things on display that that kind of cater to the cosplay crowd oh, absolutely. to kind of show <laughs> off what you have as assets at the library as sure. well? Sure, sure. There'll be. Yeah. There'll be places. Yeah. We'll always have, you Vignettes. know. Yes. Yeah, we'll definitely have, you know, um, our comics out. We've still got some of our Star Wars decor out. If anyone hasn't visited Miss Shelley's children's oh, department. Yeah. I created the moon of Endor. Ooh. <laughs> you need to come see it. It's pretty awesome. Wonderfully awesome. immersive. Some <laughs> yeah. Some at-ats. They're, they're in there. They're, nothing is to scale. Please don't get on to me about that. <laughs> I know it's not. It's, it's just not. But yeah, we, I made a little corner for the moon of Endor. That's awesome. It was fun. It's fun. So you said it's all ages. All, all ages, ages, yeah. And let's review one more time. What what are the events for the younger kids? So um, from, what time did we say? 2.30? 2. 2 to 2.30, we're doing the princess sing-along. And during the whole time, there is the um, photo booth and the scavenger hunt where you go to try to find certain things in the library. And we'll have that set up. And part of that is um, Trish Zoller from or Zeller from um, Miss Earth, Mrs. Earth, Illinois. She's going to be there, and um, then we've got the judging, and that starts at three. Yes, yeah. And so we'll judge people, and then we have prizes, awards yeah. for best. Yeah. What are some of the awards for best? Um, we've got best impression, best group cosplay. I'm really just hoping for a family that's going to come all in Star Wars. Oh, no, Incredibles. I want the Incredibles. <gasps> Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes. Mr. and Mrs. Incredible. Groups for your <laughs> friends, best impression, you know, best cosplay overall. We've got different age groups, runners up. Yeah. There's prizes for the scavenger hunt that are really, really cool. Um, again, popcorn snacks. Yeah. A little anime marathon. You mentioned something that I don't think we've really touched on yet. Um, you mentioned 
best impression. Yes. So one part of cosplay that that is more about that is about more than just the costume is that yeah. Whenever cosplay cosplayers uh, engage in a convention, they are in character from the time they walk in the door to yeah. the time they leave. And so it is a performance art as well. Yeah. Um, you know, some cosplay, you know, can be abbreviated as costume play, but there's also a costume role play mm-hmm. aspect to it, kind of like LARPing. Um, in my brain, tell people what LARPing is. Live action role play. Thank right? you. So like, you know, Ren Fairs, Dungeons and Dragons, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, my brain always goes to the character actors at Disney World. Very, very similar to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're going and you are that person. You don't have to do that when you're coming to this. We're going very low-key. Yeah. But if you want to go that hard and that ham, absolutely, I'm so excited for it. <laughs> and, and it's kind of cool just to have a phrase or two. Yes. You know, if you're going to be an Ewok and you say, jub, jub, you know, <laughs> or or you're going to be, I don't know, what, if you're going to be Chewbacca, then you better make sure the mask roars kind of thing. <laughs> well, and if we're looking at... The type of, we're looking at the cosplay and convention world. Mm -hmm. One of the experiences is not just for the people that are there dressed up as cosplay. Right. But the people that are at the convention that are interacting with them. Yeah. And they're they're interacting with them as the character and they're getting that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is just as cool as... For sure. As any other aspect of it is... That you are becoming a performer, and there's an art to that as well as there's an art to the build. Mm-hmm. But there's an art to becoming that character and embodying that character and representing it for people who are passionate about it and who love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there is an assimilation that happens between the attendees of the convention as well as the cosplayers. And that interaction, that attention, um, that excitement, you know, whenever somebody that's at a convention sees, a cosplay mashup that they never would have thought of before. Yeah. Um, you know, say take Iron Man, but do Iron Man in steampunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and seeing a, a steampunk Iron Man that they automatically know is Iron Man because all of the right components are there, but it's all done in a steampunk version. People get excited about that. People yeah. love that because it's, it's a creativity that connects to a character that they love and that they're passionate about that they've never thought of in that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. You can do it with like decades too. I recently saw somebody do a 1920s Loki in a flapper dress. Yeah. So the headband, right? Mm Because that's very 20s and had the horns. So cute. (laughs) And it was not complicated. It doesn't have to be, we're not asking for complex and you know paper mache and And every part of it doesn't have to be film ready accurate costume (laughs) so much of it's about fun yeah yeah and and representation people being able to see you and know that you're that that character or a representation of that character yeah without you being the full film ready Mm -hmm. character which can be so intimidating right it can be so intimidating whereas um a friend of mine um does and builds costumes professionally for cosplayers. Um, and she's always working on new shoes that have different characters or different character representations. Yeah. Or building dresses that are representative of a character that aren't necessarily 
Yes. You know, that character's costume, but you automatically know upon seeing him, oh. Yeah. That's a Doctor Who dress. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who is another part, another aspect that is really widely, big. widely represented yeah. in the in the Love cosplay that world too, um, as well as Harry Potter. Yes, um, all of the not just sci-fi but fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yes, is deeply involved and rooted in these things. Yeah, and, and you can pretty much pick any book character. Yeah, and somebody will cosplay. Yeah, that character. I, I can't think of any specific series that has not had somebody pull out elements and and I think it's awesome when they add just a little touch like a little button that oh it's grape soda oh you're from up mm-hmm. you know oh you know you've got something small in your purse or on your belt or on your shoes yeah. that, that and it's represents the details. something and it's and if you catch it then you feel like you've won a scavenger hunt <laughs> it is like a yeah. scavenger hunt yeah so much fun to do all that this sounds like so much fun. Tell me all the details one more time. Yeah, Cosplay Con, Carnegie Cosplay Con, uh, next Thursday, July 21st, 2 p.m. You can register before or the day of. Everything is always free. We've got a costume contest all ages. You can do just best cosplay. You can come as a group. You can come and do an impression. All of that's optional. Uh, there will be snacks. There will be a photo booth. There will be a scavenger hunt. Really cool prizes. Just Princess Sing Along. Princess Sing Along. Which may be the highlight. Thank I think you, Mary Princess... High School Choir, yes. for providing us princesses. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited for the library and for this event. Thank you for joining me today, Caitlin, Shelly. I appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you. Josh. This is going to be so much fun. I look forward to seeing pictures online. Yes. We will take um, so many. I'll possibly stop in. Oh, and yeah. see it live because yeah. I really, really want to see the costumes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best part. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank, Thank you. And now for a brief conversation with Travis Westbrook of Marion, Illinois, discussing cosplay, his approach to it, and his experiences in Indianapolis at PulseCon. Travis, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing, sir? Doing great. So you've done cosplay for a couple of conventions now. Yes. What what got you into cosplay to begin with? Well, um, I do theater. I'm, I'm an actor with local productions and whatnot, so I, I have that, that aspect. But, you know, there, there's something to appealing to everybody about dressing up and, you know, wearing costumes and whatnot. And so when I discovered cosplay... I'm like, you know, there are other adults like me, you know, doing this. So, you know, I, that's what prompted me to do it. So I've gone to a couple, couple com, uh, Comic-Cons in the past year. So you you d- essentially discovered that there was, there was a community there, a, a like-minded community that you could be a part of. Mm-hmm. And so moving forward, after you decided you wanted to do this, mm-hmm. how did you choose your first... Uh, character that you were going to cosplay? Well, um, the first character that I cosplayed was uh, from the Princess Bride movie, the 1987 movie, um, I, the character Inigo Montoya. You know, you killed my father, prepared to die. Um, I was just, I was looking in the mirror one day and I, I have long hair and I thought, what kind of a character could I play that has long hair? Because I didn't want to wear a full mask or anything like that. I, w- I want to meet people. I want them to see my face. And then I just looked and he popped in my head, 
and I thought that was real cool. So yeah. it, it took me a while to put the costume together over a few months, but and I and I see a resemblance to a young <laughs> Mandy Patinkin uh, there. That's that totally works. Oh yeah. Um, and so with your first con, mm-hmm. what was your experience like once you got there? Oh, me and my brother had a blast. We both went. Um, Did he cosplay as well? Yes. He. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with video games, but there's a Viking game called Valhalla's Creed. He's all about Vikings. So he got the armor, a big foam axe, uh, you know, war paint on his face, you know, shaved his head down, you know, all kinds of stuff. He, he, he was a real bad looking guy. That's awesome. Yeah. So what was your experience like there at the con? Well, since it was our first one, it was all kind of really new, but um, people were really friendly. We got to talk and meet with a lot of new people, you, you know, got to see all kinds of stuff. There was too much to buy. You know, our we were broke by the end of it. Um, we got to participate in our first uh, Comic-Con costume contest, and um, there were lots of games. It was just a big place just to hang out and meet people. Now, with the costume contests, are there, like, different degrees within the contest? Are there different levels for, like, beginner versus, like, advanced? Like, how, do, how does that contest work? Well, this one, um, there was almost a kerfuffle. Like, they almost disqualified people, and people had to fight back because, you know, it wasn't labeled correctly in the rules. Apparently, cosplay is, you know, for a lot of people, you have to make the costume you know, 90% yourself, and a lot of people, that was not in the rules. So people, you know, it was just a glorified costume contest for a lot of people. They just showed up wearing stuff. So there was a bit of a kerfuffle to address that criteria, and they, you know, for this competition, they they, they went over it because it wasn't clear in the rules. But um, as far as categories, I think there were, you know, some for kids and then some for adults. But... Um, and it was on a first come first serve kind of a base, but but yeah, it, it was pretty general, pretty okay. So, um, and you you were part of that competition, mm-hmm. and so do you come up on stage and like show off your costume? Do you talk about it? Do you do something in character? Like how does how does the actual um, action for you in that competition work? Well, I only got to the first stage, which was. You stand in front of a panel of judges, like on America's Got Talent, and we spitball, and you know they had me do the line. You know they got such a kick out of it; it was so much fun, and so did my brother. But then once you get past that stage to the preliminaries, then you get to get go up on the stage yourself and in front of like general audience. Yes, and kind of you know do your Barbie walk across the catwalk and whatever. So yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Very cool. And so you obviously enjoyed it because you went to another con after that. Um, and yeah. how did you how did you make your choice for your second character for the second con that you went to? I could not come up with one to save my life, and the Comic-Con was coming pretty quickly. I was going because a bunch of celebrities I really wanted to meet were there, but I'm like, I, I want to dress up. So um, one day, me and my mother were spitballing, you know, family dinner, and I said, you know, I need something, I need something, you know, who, who could I play that has long hair? And she was watching Encanto, the, the new Disney movie. And she's like, you could go as Bruno. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's perfect. And it was so much fun. There were, there were a lot of kids there dressed as characters from the show. And they lit up when they saw me. We took pictures. And it, it was a lot of fun. Wonderful. Wonderful. 
So where was the first one that you went to? Uh, they were both at the same place, okay. um, Indiana, Indianapolis at um, PulseCon. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Very cool. So for you, it mm-hmm. started about community. Mm-hmm. Once you're there and you're interacting with people at the con, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you gain from that? Social skills, more confidence, um, and that's what I love about cosplay. It's it's an icebreaker. The first day I was there, I, I was in my street clothes, and nobody would talk to me. But then you put that costume on, and it's like boom, boom, boom. People want to talk. People want to talk, and it's it's a good icebreaker. It really kind of helps you get chill, and you know helps people get to know each other. And is is the opportunity to be in character? an aspect of breaking that ice for you as in, you know, whenever you're interacting with these people, Mm -hmm. you you're able to get out of your own insecurities because you're interacting as Anigo Montoya or you're interacting as Bruno initially. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in character, does that give you that, that opportunity to then interact on a different level than you would have outside of character and costume? It depends. You know, some people, you know, they asked me to quote lines, you know, left and right, you know, say the line, say the line, you know, so I mean, it's not like I was playing the character the whole time I was there, but it was a good, you know, like I said, it was a good icebreaker. It got people to talk to me, Mm -hmm. which in it, which helped me to talk to them because, you know, I'm always nervous about making the first move to people. So, you know, when people came to me, then it allowed me to relax and, you know, flow with them. And people came to you as the character, which is, mm-hmm. which is a great bridge. Mm-hmm. So would you say that cosplay is a great way to overcome, any, overcome your natural insecurities and allow you to meet new people and create a new community that you can thrive within? Oh, for sure. You know, we're living in a day and age where, you know, as adults, you know, you have to stick to a certain criteria, societal regime of you know, properness and, you know, your job and whatever. So this is a chance for people to just, you know, kind of let their hair down and, you know, just... Literally in your case. (laughs) Yeah, just a a chance to let, you know, themselves be who they are, you know, without fear of ridicule. So it's really... Cosplay is a a great... a a great modality for for true self-expression. Oh, yeah. And, and embracing yourself as you are through the characters that you embody. It allows you to, you know, express your inner child, your inner artist, your, you know, everything that you are that we don't get to show on a daily basis. So do you plan on going to more? Oh, heck cons? yeah. Heck yeah. Um, as my budget allows. But uh, yeah, I mean, there are Comic-Cons every day all over the nation. It's just a matter of, you know, time, travel, and you know, working out your job and whatever. And so as much as it will allow, you know, finances and time will allow you to, you're going to to jump into this world even deeper. Oh, yeah. Well, I look forward to that. I look forward to seeing the the characters that you create um, and and seeing the complexity of the characters and the costumes develop further as your skill develops in, in building those costumes. Mm-hmm. That'll come with time. Yeah. Um. And that's one thing that we haven't really talked about much is the build and creating the costume. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like for you? 
Well, for me, because, you know, I'm still kind of in the beginning stages, it was a matter of, you know, kind of like your standard costume put together, you know, find the right fabric, find the right stuff. But some of these cosplayers put me to shame with what they can do. Like, they know how to work with molten plastic and foam and um, cart. I've seen people make the most bad-looking bad costumes out, strictly out of cardboard. They're that good. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about how you finish it. It's not about what material you start with. Right. No, you don't have to have a full working Death Star or anything like that. You know, I mean, it, it could be something as simple as PVC and, you know, the right techniques and whatever, and it will look real like it just came off a movie set. Mm-hmm. Well, I look forward to seeing what you create in the future. I appreciate your time today, Travis. It's been really nice. Thank you. Learning more about this and kind of diving into that cosplay world a little bit. Thank you. Thanks for your time. And now joining us, Galen Jenkins, who cosplays as Doctor Who at different Doctor Who conventions and Comic-Cons across the U.S. Galen, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we're discussing cosplay this week, and uh, you cosplay, to my knowledge, as Doctor Who number four. Correct. Tom um, Baker. And you've cosplayed as other things and have another cosplay goal, but what exactly got you into cosplay to begin with? It was actually my friends at the movie theater. Uh, we had decided to go to a Star Wars Celebration 2, and I was going to go as a fan just to enjoy the convention, and they said, we're dressing up. And I'm like, dressing up? And that, and at that time, I don't think I've ever heard the term cosplay, and they didn't even say it. Uh, they were theater uh, background uh, kids that just had a job at the, at the movie theater. And they're like, we're dressing up. And I was able to get them to make an, a costume for me. And that's what actually started it all. So Star Wars seems like a pretty, a pretty broad, general way for people to get involved in cosplay to begin with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I, long before I knew cosplay was a thing, when I was in high school, when episode one was coming out, mm-hmm. we camped overnight and we all dressed up for the movie premiere. Right. And until this moment, I haven't connected that to cosplay until yeah. right now. Yeah. But So I guess there's a little bit of a background there for me. Yes. And so I understand it a little bit more now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. But Star Wars seems like a great bridge to get into it. Um, after that, um, what was your, what was your path through cosplay after that? So I got got interested in the reboot of Doctor Who and I was watching it and there was a character from the classic show that was profiled and I was like, hmm, they have Doctor Who conventions and I remember if I can grow my hair out long, I can actually look like the fourth doctor and I wouldn't have to wear a wig. I can actually just pull it off naturally. And uh, the, what I did was I purchased a, uh, a scarf, but I assembled my pieces of my outfit by um, inspiration of reading a, a cosplay website. They said, just go to your grandfather's closet, pull out his old clothes, then get you a scarf, and you're basically the fourth doctor. 
And I just went to Goodwills and thrift stores, and I and my cosplay evolves. I just continue to assemble it until I find, I think, a perfect piece, if you will. So. And and from what I've seen, it's pretty accurate at this point. Yeah, it's. Uh, and Tom did have several variations, so it is nice it, that I can have a variation because I can change the costume even throughout um, a convention. Saturday, I can wear this version or that version. It's almost the same thing, but just little teeny tiny touches. And have you primarily worn Doctor Number 4 to just Doctor Who conventions, or have you done it to any Comic-Cons? Yeah, I've uh, I've gone to several Wizard World conventions um and wizard world is in st louis yeah it's in st louis well it's actually in all the major cities as a matter of fact it's now called fan expo i think it just recently changed to that and yeah i've showcased him at at chicago and st louis and i hope to to get out there and, and showcase him some more um yeah so the uh uh the process of just Wearing that uh, outfit you know, on a convention floor, mind you, there's everybody doing cosplays, but something just makes me feel like I'm there. You know, I'm with my people, and uh, if you will, so. So for you, it you got into it because you know you got invited to a convention, and everybody else was dressing up, so you went along with right, that. Right. And then you found you found a, a natural connection to a character with the, with the way that you look naturally. That, that worked for you. Right. And within that, you've now found a community within cosplay? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of people, all kinds of forums, people that will uh, that you can reach out to. Like, uh, again, I read that cosplay forum. and uh, But, yeah, everywhere I go, especially the Doctor Who conventions, there is like a tight-knit group or a family uh, a community there. And, yeah, you can... Uh, reference other people for you know tips on what to do uh, uh people uh you know they they look at me and tell me how jealous they are of me because my hair actually just does it and i don't have to uh, buy a wig or anything like that so and for you do you take on the character at some points oh gosh yes uh and what does that look like I practice in front of a mirror sometimes. I'll uh, try to get my voice like Tom Baker's, which is so commanding when he talks to you, you know, and his eyes when he looks at you, and then his smile. He has such a big smile. So when I I actually practice smiling, every picture I have, I'll make sure you can see my teeth because I think that's one of the catchphrases, uh, fourth doctor's all tooth and curls, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so... Yeah, I try to emulate that. I can't always carry the voice, so that it can get kind of tiring doing that. But, you know, I'll get certain phrases in there. I'm like, oh, Sarah Jane, or hello, I'm the doctor, you know, and trying to get that in, you know, in the right sequence or cadence. Yeah. So, and, and you find appreciation for that on the convention floor as well? You know, the, my appreciation comes from whenever people will come up to me and they're like, can I get a picture of you? I'm sorry to bother you. May I get a picture? And I'm like, that's the ultimate compliment I can get. When I bring my cosplay to the floor, and if someone wants to stop me and get a picture of me, or they'll say, oh, you were my doctor when I was a kid. And uh, you can see them light up. And, I mean, that made me light up 
you know, too. It makes me want to be tall more, you know. And uh, and you're fulfilling an emotional need for someone. Yeah, exactly. That you don't even know, and it's and it's a, a connection point as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you sometimes just develop friends, you know, through that weekend. Like they'll come by the next day, they might see me. Like, oh yeah, I remember. You know, thank you for being nice and, and posing. You know for me, you know, and I'll even ask, I'll give them an option. Do you want my sonic screwdriver out? Do you want the scarf wrapped around you? Do you want, you know, a scary pose or a back to back to back pose? I mean, you know, I'll do anything uh, that they want to do. So that's really cool. Yeah. So it's very fun. And so there's a, there's another cosplay that you want to do at a future convention. Yeah, so... So what's your next, net your next goal, your next idea that you're approaching? Uh, next goal, I hope to get Stranger Things convention going on. They've had to be, uh, to be canceled because of COVID for a couple of years, but uh, the guy who plays uh, Dustin from Stranger Things, uh, the season two just captured me. I really liked when they went searching for Dart and uh, him and the character Steve. Uh, it was, it's just a simple, comfortable cosplay. I think that's one of the reasons why I like it, but it's so recognizable. Uh, it's the maroon hoodie jeans and then it's the yellow dishwashing gloves that your mom used, you know. You put those on in a bucket. And I, I showcased it once at a um, Halloween parade in Christopher, I think. Only one person, but they walked up to me and were like, Dustin from Stranger Things. I'm like, yes, you got it. I mean, that's cool whenever it can be kind of obscure like that, but somebody can recognize it. You're like, But at, oh. a, at a Comic-Con... Oh. Everybody's going to recognize Oh, yeah. Everybody, yeah. Those, those are the people for it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And especially if it's a specific, you know, to that convention, I mean, or to that genre or yeah. show. Yeah. It's just, it's so cool. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And so, so with that one, did you see, um, you mentioned with the doctor, you saw a physical resemblance to yourself and that kind of led you to that. Mm-hmm. But this one's more of an, an emotional response to a scene yes. that led you to it. Yes. Uh, I just really like the camaraderie of the kids. So uh, it takes place in the 80s. And I mean, that was the pinnacle of my childhood. It just took me back. And it was kind of weird because I was like, wait a minute, can I cosplay a kid? And so I've often told people, I'm like, yeah, I'm just the adult version of yeah. uh, Dustin. Or what if there was an alternate universe and they got stuck and it's just adults now having to sort it out? Just some excuse like that. But yeah, I mean, it was so exciting just camaraderie and it took me back to you know being a kid again so yeah walking along a railroad track with your friends you know mm-hmm. it harkens to stand by me as well yeah. i'm like yeah this it is it i don't know it, it's infectious it gets to be excited it makes me want to you know get out there and show that cosplay and hopefully maybe i can connect with somebody else too yeah with it, so. definitely at stranger things convention or i mean oh. Uh, Wizard World or Fan Expo, as they call it now. Mm-hmm. Um, any one of those, I I can't imagine there wouldn't be very many people that would know, that wouldn't recognize you immediately. Right, right. Wonderful. <laughs> so, with all of this, you find community at the heart of it. And what do you you say that you know you light up whenever people ask you for a photo, but. What at the heart of you does cosplay do for you specifically? Uh, it makes me happy to be able to embody 
you know, like a childhood memory or like, a, you know, my hero, Tom Baker, that's the fourth doctor's my hero, you know. One of the things that he did in his, um, his time as the doctor, sometimes he'd break the fourth wall. And he'd, you know, I'd be laying on the living room floor watching TV and all of a sudden he'd go, even my sonic screwdriver won't work on this. And he went back into the scene, but for that brief moment, he talked to me and I was like, I got to go. I ran into the kitchen. I grabbed like a hand mixer that my mom had out of her kitchen drawer and then ran back into the living room. She said, yelling at me, don't break it. Don't break it. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, but he just talked to me and I've got to help him. <laughs> and that feeling of, it just gets me excited. Matter of fact, I've even thought about doing that as a cosplay. My 10 year old self, and I wear Star Wars t-shirt like I have on now probably, and the jeans, and I'm going to try to find the hand mixer. And I'm just going to wear it to the Doctor Who convention I go to. There's two. There's a Chicago TARDIS during Thanksgiving weekend, and there's Gallifrey One that takes place in mid-February in L.A. And just one day I want to wear it, just see what people will say. Because I know they uh, some people will recognize me as the fourth Doctor, but they'll like, where's your outfit and I'm like I'm 10 year old me mm-hmm. watching Doctor Who and because uh, that that really gets me excited the, the way he could have drawn people in and make them you know that kid want to do something like he, he talked to me you know I didn't realize it was televised you know it was just talking to me and so but it obviously struck a chord and and, and created a memory oh yeah and that's what so the most important about all of this, especially with the cosplay and the conventions and the community and society that's built out of that, is that the the uh, relevance and mm-hmm. the memories that are built from that. Right. Yeah. I've got a kind of off the wall question for you. Yeah. Like cosplay is kind of built around like cosplay and the conventions as a whole are kind of built around the concept of geek culture. Yeah. 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 And I feel like, and it's something that, that we discussed in an earlier segment of this podcast, that I feel like there's there's a much greater embrace over the last, say, 10 years of geek culture than there ever has been. Yes, yeah. When I was in grade school, I was a nerd for liking Doctor Who or Star Wars. I remember some of the athletes that you know, used to play with those dolls. I'm like, no, 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 no. They're action figures. Mm-hmm. Hello, let me clarify that, you know. And, yeah, when the term geek came along, I don't know what it was about it, but I just loved it. And you're like, oh, you're one of those nerds. I'm like, no, but I am a geek. I'm a geek for this or a geek for that, and I'm proud of it. So, <laughs> what, what exactly would you attribute the further popularity and acceptance of geek culture into the mainstream to? Ah. Is it... Is it is it the new prominence of the Marvel universe? Is it new, the new prominence of the Star Wars universe and how that's been for the last at least 15 years taken into like the Lego movies and how that's been popularized across both parents and children. Right. And so it's, it's, it's garnered this giant following that neither Marvel nor Star Wars have had alone. Right. right. And these things were... These things were so, those comic books and those movies and stories were so key to geek culture. Mm -hmm. But now that it's so mainstream and so accepted, 
right. I think shows like Big Bang Theory, you know, said it's okay to be geek. Now, for them, they were all, of course, super smart. I always joke and say, yeah, I'm, I'm part of that group. I'm just the guy behind the counter serving a drink or something. You know, I'm not a rocket scientist, you mm-hmm. know. So, But I am a geek like they are. So, But, yeah, I, you know, and like you said, yeah, the Marvel genre, that's a whole vast thing. I mean, the comics. I have a friend who's just a diehard into the comics. I'll say, or we'll go and discuss the movie that we watched, but then he'll say, but in the comics, da 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 you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. It's like, wow, he's at a, at a different level that I'm not even, probably ever will be, you know, yeah. concerning that way, but yeah. So I, I love that you mentioned Big Bang Theory as part of that, mm-hmm. because that was exactly what I said in the earlier segment that you haven't seen. All right. Um, and so I agree wholeheartedly. Big Bang Theory and its popularity also helped to to catapult that. Forward. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I mean, because you saw them friends, you know, getting together, playing table games. Uh, then they go out dressed up in the costumes to a party. I'm like, you know, nobody did that with me in grade school or no. high school. But now I'm like, who can I get? You know, yeah, come along with me. So yeah, and it's it's so much more open now. Oh yeah, yeah. Galen, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you, Thank Josh. you for letting us into your experiences in cosplay and in geek culture and the Thank new you. embrace of that. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, it's, it's a great community to be a part of. Hopefully you'll find somebody that's welcoming to you and uh, to help you know, our, the listeners to be able to express themselves. This is a way that they can maybe set themselves or their life maybe that may be struggling you know, set it off to the side for a moment and embody a hero and become that person. And yeah, it's just a whole new feeling and satisfaction. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us for State of the Art Southern Illinois, a podcast by the Marion Cultural and Civic Center, featuring artists, artisans, musicians, arts organizations, and arts events here in Southern Illinois, as well as national touring acts coming to the Marion Cultural and Civic Center. Thank you to Shelley and Caitlin from the Marion Carnegie Library. Thank you to Galen and to Travis for being our guests today, sharing your cosplay experience with us. Special thanks to AJ Rice for the new intro featured on the video today, as well as being our associate producer. We'd also like to thank Carve for the soundtrack to today's episode. You can find new episodes here every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and any podcast audio platform. And now for Just a Dream by Carve in its entirety.